This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book 4. Coming Home. Chapter 16. I like your car, G shouted from the back seat, trying to be heard over the wind. Seth winked at her from the rearview mirror. She blushed. Sarah turned and wrinkled her nose at the three of them. I am so glad that we ran across you guys out there. So are we, Assam said. She and Seth had been on their way back from having dinner with his parents when they'd caught sight of the kids and their mom. It's one of those assisted living facility places, Sarah told them, which is a little sad, but there's good activities and stuff. Besides, I think they kind of like the extra attention. So, asked Seth, where can we drop you off? We're headed back to the restaurant, Sarah said. If you're hungry. I hear you're good at washing dishes. Seth smiled. I'm hungry, their mother said. She was sitting in the middle of the back seat, G on one side and Assam on the other. She had her eyes closed and the wind blew her hair back. She looked very happy. Actually, Assam said, we're sort of on our way back home. Okay, Sarah exchanged a glance with Seth. That's doable. What's wrong? Nothing, Sarah said. It's just that it can get kind of tricky for exiles when they decide they want to go back. We're not exiled, G said. Everyone is an exile, Seth replied, until they get back home. Sarah waved any concerns away. Don't listen to him. We can put in a good word for you. She nodded at Seth. His dad's still got some clout, and... Well, I used to go out with the boatman. Seth pursed his lips. Sarah caught it out of the corner of her eye. Come on, that was a long time ago. Not long enough. She sighed in mock exasperation. We were kids. It was a schoolboy crush. He got over it. Then why does he still send you emails? We're friends. We stay in touch. Well, just so long as he can stay in touch without touching, then he's got no problems. Otherwise, I'm going to touch him. He smiled grimly. Sarah leaned over and kissed his ear. Hey, she said, where am I? Who am I with? I know, I know. So, if you know, then shut up. She poked him in the ribs. Besides, you're one to talk with all your ex-wives. That, he said, was an even longer time ago. Most of those were political, arranged. Then why are you still paying alimony? Forget I said anything. Seth shook his head. Sarah smirked. Lord of strength, my foot. 
I said forget it. Sarah tossed her hair. Okay, Mr. Sensitive, it's forgotten. Uh-huh. Sarah looked back at the kids. Sorry. You have something on your head, their mother said abruptly, as if she had just noticed. Sarah smiled and looked up. Really? Their mother nodded earnestly. G sank into her seat, weighed down with embarrassment. Wow, Sarah said. That's cool. They drove on, listening to the radio. They heard, My Heart Belongs to Daddy. Sarah sang to Seth on this one, snuggling up next to him, and Mac the Knife, and Tonight from West Side Story. Then the DJ broke in to announce that a block of songs by someone named Stephen something or other was coming up after a break. Seth put in a cassette. After a while, Assam cleared his throat. Um, excuse me, Seth? He wasn't quite sure how to address a god, even one that drove a convertible and listened to rap music. Seth's pale eyes found his in the rearview mirror. A minute ago, you said something about the boatman. Seth nodded. Well, is he... Is that the same one who brings the people down the river? Seth nodded. That is the man, yes. What's up, sweetie? Sarah looked back at him with concern. What's on your mind? Well, he wouldn't let us on the boat before, because we didn't have any money. G chimed in. And I don't know how to play a harp. Sarah laughed. Yeah, he's kind of old-fashioned that way. Kind of. Seth raised an eyebrow. Sarah pushed it back down with her forefinger. Be nice. She looked back to the kids. He didn't want money. He wanted the coin. The obulists, Seth said. G resisted the urge to put her hand in her pocket. What's that? her brother asked. Sarah cocked her head to one side. It's, well, it's a gold coin, but it's also, it's your life, right? Your soul or something? Gee, you couldn't help speaking up. And you have to give it up when you die. Sarah looked at her for a long moment. Yes, well, it's not your soul, but yes, you have to pay the price in order to leave that life behind you. But we didn't pay. We didn't give him anything, Assam said. Sarah nodded. Which is why you can go home. You all still have yours. Assam looked at her, skeptical. Where? It's in your mouth, G said quietly. You don't know it. You can't feel it. But it's there. That is a true thing, little sister. Seth turned the radio down. Sometimes, in the old times... The people would put coins on the eyes of the dead, sometimes just one in the mouth.
She shivered, thinking of shelves and jars. Now she understood why Juniper started with eyes. Why on the eyes? Assam had seen this in a movie, and he'd always wondered about it. Why the mouth? To keep them from staring back at you, Seth answered. To keep them quiet. To pay the boatman, Sarah said. Assam turned to his sister. How do you know about all this? She hesitated, then shrugged. Remember Jimmy, the boy in the hospital? He had a coin in his mouth. So we have to pay to leave? He asked the two gods in the front seat. If we give him our coins, won't we die? Charlie's kind of old school about this sort of thing, but he doesn't collect for the return trip, Sarah said. But if he did, well, you'll just have to get used to immortality. It takes some time, Seth said, which you'll have plenty of. Hush, love, you're scaring them. Sarah shook her head at him. He's just kidding. All you have to do is show your coin to Charlie. That'll prove you have a right to go back. So, so we can go back. Assam had a worried, pinched quality to his voice. Sarah nodded, reaching back to pat his knee. I think you'll be just fine. Who knows, she said brightly. Maybe he'll even remember you. Maybe. She wondered how many times the boatman had been kicked in the shins over the years. She bet it wasn't often. Her hand lay on her leg. She would not put it in her pocket. She would not touch that scarred, dull thing resting against her hip. She would not ask the question burning in her mind. She would know, soon enough. Her mother put an arm over her shoulder. She laid her head down. In a moment, she was asleep. Sarah looked back at them and smiled. She turned forward and laid her hand on Seth's neck, stroking the back of his head. They drove on across the plain. Assam stared out the window at the nothingness around them. They were almost home. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, P.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at pmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.
This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Please direct all inquiries to the attention of the author at www.tmcamp.com. If you are unable to access the Internet, spread a thin layer of peanut butter over a slice of whole wheat bread. Sprinkle it with unsalted sunflower seeds and place it on the sill of any second-story window in your home. When the blue jay arrives, whisper your request to her. She will pass it along. If you live in a home with only one story, move.